Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Gender Matters. The Gender Matters podcasts are a new aspect of our annual leadership forum and awards celebration presented by AT&T. Texas Women's Foundation focuses on advancing women's economic security and women's leadership toward our mission of empowering Texas women and girls to build more inclusive and equitable communities for all Texans. And we could not do this important work without strong, supportive partners like AT&T. AT&T is pleased to team with Texas Women's Foundation as we pursue meaningful social and economic change for women, girls, and families in Texas. AT&T is aiming to level the playing field for economic and educational opportunities for everyone by expanding mobile and broadband access to the internet. The Gender Matters podcast series is sponsored by Kimberly Clark Corporation, and each episode features the remarkable accomplishments of one of our 2021 recipients of the Mara Women Helping Women Award or our Young Leader Award. You'll hear about the leadership journeys of these fabulous award recipients and how their work is transforming the lives of other women in their communities. We'll also talk about how women can come together to support one another and advance women's leadership at every level. We're very, very grateful for the support of our podcast sponsor, Kimberly Clark Corporation, a true global leader in advancing opportunities for women, not to mention producing exceptional products for women. And we particularly appreciate the participation of Kimberly Clark's terrific women leaders as co-moderators of the podcast. So for today's episode, I'm very excited to present to you and introduce Sandy Carmen. And Sandy is the Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer for Kimberly Clark, where she has global responsibility for the human resources function that includes talent recruiting, development, performance management, employee engagement, labor relations, HR operations, compensation, payroll, and employee benefits. No small shakes there, Sandy. And prior to this role, she served as Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer for Tenet Healthcare and also for United Surgical Partners International. Sandy, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Well, I'm just delighted that you are and appreciate so much your dedication, your personal dedication to the work um, of supporting women and girls, not only in your own company, but around the world, which is a wonderful way to introduce today's featured guest, and that is Ronnie Peronic. Ronnie is an entrepreneur and a global change agent for young women. She is the co-owner and global CFO of Houston-based Worldwide Oilfield Machine. She thrives at leading innovation, empowering others, and inspiring collaboration. She directs the financial controllership, strategy, investments, and enterprise growth for her company, a privately held, family-owned oil and gas equipment manufacturing firm with more than 3,000 employees operating in 11 locations globally. Ronnie invests a significant amount of her time in India as the executive director of the Puranic Foundation. This is a nonprofit organization that operates a private residential school called, I love the name, Ronnie, the Vision International Learning Center. It's in 
Now, I, I won't say the name correctly of the town in which it's in, but you can fix it for me. And uh, this center, which is uh, about, uh, Ronnie says, about three hours inland from Mumbai, is uh, a family affair, and we'll learn more about that later. Ronnie, thank you for joining us all the way from India, and congratulations on receiving very well-deserved Mara Award. Oh, well, thank you so very much. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So let me start by asking what your impetus was for taking a leadership role in the family business and how you navigated kind of adding those responsibilities um, that ultimately made you a co-owner of a global business in a very non-traditional industry for women. <laughs> That's true. Uh, oh, gosh. Well, it was definitely unplanned. <laughs> definitely. As a child, I watched my father and my mother create and grow this company, which started in a little gar garage across the street from a Dairy Queen where I was all of two years old and I would like hop and skip jump, you know, right across the ledge or right under this, you know, red balloon kind of sign, which was Dairy Queen. Um, I witnessed firsthand their sacrifice, their work ethic, their dedication. After a business career in the arts, uh, I decided to join the company in 2007 just to stabilize myself after eh, a pretty, you know, tumultuous divorce. And although I started in an entry-level role, the more involved I became, the more untapped potential I saw. I mean, I honestly did not have all the answers, but gosh, I really had a drive to, to learn continuously and to find solutions. So as the years went by and I worked within different departments with different roles, uh, I could see the dreams and direction that my father wanted to take the company. And I realized that he just needed the organization, like the partnership and the constant sort of influx of, of innovative ideas uh, to get there. So my work throughout the years well, it produced a precedence of consistent, positive results. I was building teams globally. I was executing financial and operational strategies and you know, enabling, growth, enabling growth across the board. It became a labor of love. It really did. And the title most certainly came after the work was spoken for. I, I sometimes do feel that when we're in a family business setting, uh, I felt like I had it harder than most, but honestly, the merit is what resulted in the title. You know, I say, live the role before you have it. <laughs> uh, in terms of adding responsibility, you know, that's a great question. And uh, what I did realize one thing is, first of all, when you come in from such a, when you're in such a non-traditional sort of industry for women, I had to push away the worries of, being the CEO's daughter or, you know, fear of learning the ropes, uh, can I do this, if I could do it, or what would people think if I wanted to take this global company forward? And more importantly, I truly believe in the potential of people. So an important lesson for me was to extend that same philosophy to myself. I had to believe in and invest in the potential of me. So I had to remain laser focused on offering my best so I could give my best. And then going back 
And then uh, going back to school at the age of 40, you know, getting my master's degree was definitely no easy feat, but so very exciting to incorporate what I learned into the workplace. And lastly, one concept I would love to share, and that is something that I've learned over the years just in business through observation, that going beyond barriers requires connecting and respecting. And that has proven to be true across, across in so many ways and carried me through any added responsibility. So always think, how can I connect and build a solid team, a unit, like a tribe? As leaders, we spend a lot of time sharing our vision, what we know, what we believe, and we have directions to go in. But if that does not have any buy-in from those around us, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't mean anything. So connecting and respecting, it requires communicating and listening. And when your team truly, truly trusts you as a leader, they're open to the responsibilities you add in addition to feeling confident about sharing their ideas. And that's the way I've seen teams grow, moving forward together. We throw this term, you know, respect around casually, but what I really mean to say is to have an openness to learn about the people and things together so that we can connect with a common vision. You know, respecting the differences in skill, craft, background, perspective, I try never to lose my sense of curiosity for the people around me. Wow. It is an honor and a privilege to meet you, Ronnie. We could probably listen to you all day and, and all your leadership lessons. I'm really interested to understand when and why did your mother start the Puranic Foundation and how have you and your daughter continued and expanded this work? Oh gosh, this is the this is my most favorite story, right? It's about mom, of course, love mom. Uh, after serving my father's vision and raising kids, you know, leaving her home country, she took a moment to just, you know, reflect, you know, what's the next season? What does it look like to her? So she took this completely unorthodox, unexpected trip to the mountains here in India. And when I say unexpected, I mean like no lights for three days, you know, no source to water, um, no cell phones at that time. <clears throat> but I can tell you that when she came back after her three days sort of, you know, reflection time, she came back with a very solid sense of what this next phase in her life would be. And it was very simple, very simple. She wanted to give back to children from some of the worst hit conditions. She just wanted to share and provide good educational resources. So it started off as an idea, just an idea like 20 years ago. Today is now a state board recognized private residential school in Pune, India, seated on 27 acres of land featuring water harvesting, solar, biomass, and gosh, just so much more. Students receive a private grade education enriched in mindfulness practices, leadership training, and the arts. The difference that it is, is we teach a holistic perspective of life in which considers the self, the community, and the environment. And I really believe that we're inspiring like this next generation of global service leaders. And the school is proof that education can be provided in any environment, in any amount of resources or lack thereof. And you know, we really see this as a model for sustainable education. I know you had a second question about how, how my daughter fits into this. So I would so proudly say that we are now a three-generation 
um, family that is involved in this passion. So my mom started the school. Uh, I am the executive director. And as you very well mentioned, my daughter is the managing director. So my daughter and I, we partnered in 2015 to launch a study abroad program and where we selected underserved U.S. high school kids to travel to the school in India for a cultural exchange, personal development, peer-to-peer learning experience. And it's called Impact India. And I can just tell you, um, I lead that program. And on day three out of a 10-day program, their eyes just light up. It's just such a beautiful experience to, to witness. And my daughter's, my daughter like, is doing such a phenomenal job. So right now she's connecting with schools and she's connecting with the community to really you know, focus on sustainability and mindful, mindfulness training. Uh, of course, the foundation is a CSR arm of WOM. And, uh, now the plan that I have in place is over the next three to five years, wherever WOM has its locations is where we are introducing this concept of sustainable education around the world. So looking forward to that. Oh, I just, that is incredible. I love this so much. And you already alluded to this, but your ideas for expansion, tell us a little more about that because what an exciting thing to be able to have this example replicated in other locations where your business is operating. Exactly. Again, you know, it comes back to being able to connect not just the student but the student with its local community, the student with the environmental concerns, issues, trying to find solutions, because at the end of the day, it is about a holistic experience. And again, this model that we have kind of, I guess, proven, if you will, here in India, is so easy to replicate. It doesn't require, you know, classrooms full of technology, or if, it, if we have it, it's great, but it's not required for a quality education. What's required is an open mind. What's required is the willing to learn in any situation. So when we connect corporations, community, the students, it all starts to come together and that becomes sustainable because now everybody is sort of invested in each other. And we would love for you to also be part of the Pranic Foundation, so I'll just sort of plug this in here. But please do visit us at www.pranicfoundation.org or on Facebook or on Instagram. And we would love to share our experience with you and for you to come join us. We'll definitely do that as soon as we're done here. We'd like to thank today's podcast episode sponsor. Here's a word about them. EY is creating an inclusive culture to amplify women's potential to truly transform society and build a better working world. By collaborating with organizations like Texas Women's Foundation, EY is empowering a diverse workforce by enabling women and girls to reach their potential through education, mentorship, innovation, and entrepreneurial opportunities. I step over old ideas and create my own path. I choose to leave the old cycle that made women hide their bodies, their emotions, their periods behind. I am shaping my future with imagination and without fear. I am filled with possibilities every day of the month. I am a new cycle. Kotex, period or not, she can. Ronnie, how have you used 
how have you used or applied your business skills as well as your creative and artistic sensibilities to the instruction and experiences you're providing to the students at Vision International Learning Center to prepare them for a successful future? I love this question, you know, because I think sometimes we tend to overlook the, look the creative process um, in education. So when I look back, I have been teaching and coaching since I was 17 years old. 17 years old, I know it's a long time. <laughs> but what I do realize is that the styles of interactions may vary slightly, but dealing with humans and the challenges that we face internally and externally as we grow are primarily the same across the board. And ultimately, it's about the mindset and approach. You know, can you stay focused on finding a solution? Can you keep moving forward no matter what comes? So at Vision International Learning Center, we develop program services initiatives that teach this approach and prepare students to succeed. So typically, it consists of four main categories. The first one is communication. We are passionate about helping students clarify their thoughts and emotions and being able to translate those thoughts and emotions into a creative expression you know this this helps them build their confidence tremendously and it's a great stress reliever the second is cross-cultural exposure so our students at vision international learning center they are introduced to new cultures languages and perspectives continuously third would be mentorship it's so important that we feel that you know, older generations or experienced generations pass down and share their wisdom, their experience, their knowledge. So we have different mentorship programs within WOM and our employees have a number of opportunities to come and mentor our students here in India and within the schools in Houston that we are now partnered in sorry, partnered with. And the fourth one would be experiential learning. Now this is dear to my heart. I always believe in the experience behind uh, the learning. And I'm so happy to say that we're, we're laying the groundwork so that our Vision International students can come here to the United States to study for a year. Oh, that's so cool. And, and speaking of experience, what were the experiences that inspired you to write your wonderful, <laughs> soon to forthcoming book, Seven Letters to My Daughters? And what were the themes that you really wanted your daughters and all the young women who read the book to observe and to understand? Well, um, oh gosh, first let me say writing a book, um, it's a tenacious, exhaustive, and uh, I'll be honest, it's a little bit of a scary experience, but I'm, but I'm elated. I really am to um, have the release of my book next year. Really am. Uh, each, I, I, I would like to say that I've, I've personally witnessed seven phases of my life, which of course brought me to seven roles. And within these roles and within each phase, it provided its set of challenges and rewards. And I've learned impactful lessons of love, of leadership, and legacy. So I can't give all the lessons away, of course, before the launch, but I would like to share one, one which is dear to me. And it's about time. We need time to process. I mean, think about nature or, or the food that we eat. 
every process takes time. You know, throughout our lives, even when we learn, it takes years to process that wisdom and, and integrate it into our lives to metabolize it. So this, is, this was really the, the um, I guess, the inspiration to, to writing this because it's become the foundation for my business success as well as just my personal contentment, like my personal joy and, and my personal happiness. So I'd like to share this with the, with the daughters of the world. All right, so I can't wait to read the book now. So we'll wait for <laughs> it to, to be launched next year. But so the, the, uh, the magic question is, what is your code or your special key <laughs> to success? I really love this question because uh, my code is actually inspired by my love for singing. Uh, some people may or may not know this, but I'm a trained Indian classical vocalist. So music is dear to my heart and I continue to learn. I still have a guru here in India that teaches me uh, continuously just to keep refining all the nuances. Love it. So the name of my code to success actually is the Do Re Mi code. Okay, so do, which is what do I do? So the three things that I fiercely believe in is continuous learning, projecting your vision, and sharpening your craft. Now, Ray, which is R-E, or what do I rely upon, is my work ethic. You know, practice, repeat, show up. That's, that's what makes everything work. And then the third, which is me, which is about myself. So where do I operate from? So for me, I approach everything, and I mean everything, with grace. And for me, grace means love, forgiveness, and gratitude. And that's the code. Wow, that is amazing. I've, I've learned so much already. Uh, so what, what advice would you, would you give for other women, to other women who want to create or make change in the world and have a global impact like you are doing for other women and girls? If there was one piece of advice that I would give from, from all of my heart, it would be this, is that whether you are a small business owner or the CEO, CFO of a multi-million dollar operation, there will be wins and there will be losses. There will be highs as there will be lows. And there also might be some times where, you know, we feel slighted or even unappreciated. My advice is let it go. My advice is, and how, do you, how would you let it go, is that you, we need to choose to be brave. And we have to choose to let it go. Find something constructive to, to release all the pain. Because you see, pain is limiting. Find your purpose. There's a learning in every heartbreak. Every heartbreak, believe it or not. There's a gem of wisdom, strength, and inspiration when you focus on the vision you have for your future. So when I say vision, what I mean is don't let your vision be inspired by fear or guilt or trying to prove a point or coming from a, from a, from a perspective of, you know, revenge. That won't take you anywhere. Let your vision be about how can you improve yourself? What can you do to discover something more about yourself? Focus on the positive, because at the end, even if something is denied right now and your heart is in the right place and you keep going forward, it's only denied. It's, 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 it might be denied at the time because it's only delayed. 
And that's my real, real advice to all the women out there. That if something seems to be denied right now, and if your heart is in the right place and you want to keep going forward and you do, it's just delayed. It's just delayed. It will come to pass. I'm believing. <laughs> I'm absolutely believing. Thank you, Ronnie. Oh, that was so wonderful. Um, I wanted to ask you this, and, and not to sound self-serving, but I wanted to ask you your, your thoughts on why it's important for Texas Women's Foundation to help advance women in leadership. You know, we, we certainly work on women's economic security and trying to stabilize those at the bottom of the pyramid, but we want really to focus on women's leadership at all aspects of the pyramid. And do you think that matters? And if it does, give me your thoughts on that. Absolutely. So again, you know, over the course of history, women have women have probably had more challenges to find their voice, to find their purpose, um, just throughout history, right? What Texas Women's Foundation is doing, you know, by your research, by just sort of leveraging your advocacy, creative, innovating, innovative programs for women, it's absolutely important because what you're doing is you're helping them to provide solutions. And every woman needs to have sort of that that silver lining at the end, right? So this could be a solution. This could be, it's an option. All of a sudden you're opening doors for, for a number of women, just a number of women um, in Texas. And, and, and kind of like there's a little bit of a parallel of why I love Texas Women's Foundation so much is that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to write my book too, right? Is to inspire all these women um, in Texas and around the world, but of course in Texas. So yes, what you what what the foundation is doing is absolutely it's absolutely remarkable. And I was watching this um, this video um, on Kiera Bird, and just the way she the way she has presented her her story and the way she's found her voice. You know, she has this sense of peace and confidence, and she also has this sort of twinkle in her eye where she knows where she's going next. <laughs> so love it. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. This has been absolutely fabulous, and I I wish we had another hour or more that we could take to be together. Um, Sandy, Ronnie, this has just been incredibly special and very, very inspiring. Um, I want to thank you, Ronnie, for being the source of inspiration and leadership and for all the work that you're doing that makes you so incredibly deserving of being recognized as a MARA, Women Helping Women recipient. And to my co-conspirator, Sandy, thank you to, <laughs> for, for participating today. And great thanks to Kimberly Clark for being part of the um, podcast series, sponsoring it, and also for the incredible impact you make on girls and women across the globe. It's immeasurable and greatly empowering. For all of our sponsors who made today's com uh, conversation possible, thank you. And for everyone who's listening, besides all the notes that you took, because I know you took a bunch, um, but besides all the notes you took, please make sure to tune in to hear more from women who are doing great things on our Gender Matters podcast. You'll learn more about Texas Women's Foundation, too, and the work that we're doing to build equitable communities. Visit us at txwf.org. Until next time.